Back for another week, Joe. Here we are. Hello. Hi, Joe. Hello. This is, that's our opening. <laughs> that's the opening of the show. Nice. Um, hmm. Let me, let me expand this. You know, got to get the whole studio set up here in real time. What are you expanding? Just the timelines. I can make sure it's still recording. You know, if it shuts off or something. I can oh, see. yeah. We don't want to lose any audio. This is gold. No, we don't this stuff is gold. <laughs> we don't want to lose a single millisecond of this. No. Not a single millisecond. Um, so how was your week? Well, my week is still ongoing, of course. Weeks are conventionally thought of as running from a Sunday to a Saturday. And You're so very I, conventional today. Because it's a Friday, I, <laughs> I view the week as still very much right. in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, if you'd like to talk about the work week, and we, which we're closer to the end of. I was just thinking the week since we last recorded. We record, this is a weekly podcast. Oh, has it been? This is far from a, this is an interesting use of the word <laughs> week. Um, how, <laughs> how many months ago did we last record? I don't, I don't, I don't remember. Been, 18 months, maybe? Season two has gotten off to an irregular start. I think this is say. already season five, first <laughs> of all. Right? Second of all. Right. Hi. Hi. Um, it's it's funny that you talk in terms of convention again. Before we started recording, we were having an argument about maps. We were. Where you were, again, taking a very conventional, traditional stance on, on maps. Yeah, I don't mean to be... Uh unfriendly and rigid <laughs> rigidly on uh, rigidly conventional uh-huh. i i do think though that um you know so much of communication is just about uh successfully sharing a thought and oh. so you know when you're when so you're, so in a way it's like impolite not to not to hew to i wouldn't go that or, far or, or convention i wouldn't go that far i mean uh you know sometimes the the best thing you can do for a friend is help them see a new way to see a thing. Listen, so. I think we should go back. I think we should let the listeners in on the debate we were just having about up and down. Okay. Because uh, I am, you know, what's going on in my life is I'm moving my second and, and youngest child into college this weekend. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. Everything is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, you don't look fine. I... No, it's 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 wonderful and um, it is wonderful. And poignant all at the same time. Yes, uh, maybe, maybe we can talk about that another time. Okay, um, or or maybe we can talk about it today, or or maybe not, or maybe yes. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? It's all a mystery. I mean, you know, f- for the listeners, the 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 waveform is already there on their on their little device on their mm, machines. Right, for but me, for you and me, no, I'm I'm looking at the waveform evolving. At, I'm just right now, boom, there it is. There's another peak. There's oh another, my god, it could be anything. Do it again. Look again. Okay, I, there it is. Whoa. It keeps going. It could be anything. <laughs> um, there, there is a non-zero chance that the waveform will, you know, will, um, will, will end up containing a dramatically new and innovative proof of Fermat's last theorem. Mm. Like it's a possibility. This is the thousand monkeys thing, right? I mean, it's, yeah. there are only so many, you know, there's a, there are a finite number of waveforms that can appear here, Joe. Hmm. So a thing you're doing this weekend is helping your younger child right. uh, move into a uh, university facility of some kind, yes. like a dorm or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. In a city. It's in a major city. And and my my, my wife and, and my child are in another place with a friend, and they're going to go from there to this major city. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to fly up this weekend because I had to teach this week. This is our first week of classes, which we'll talk about in a little bit, I yeah. think. Yeah. And... I said, well, I'm going to get there first, and they're going to come up and meet me. Right. And you immediately objected. Boom. Everything went off the rails. It wasn't, you know, well, how do you feel about that? You weren't interested in my feelings. You weren't. (laughs) 
<laughs> just, uh, I'm baiting a little bit here. I, dis- but. I disagree that I wasn't interested in your feelings, but I was you much more interested in your, <laughs> your misapplication of the word up. Yes. That and, took a much higher priority in my mind than your, than your, than and, your feelings. And, and, and I, I will confess that. And I said up is conceptual. Which is true. And so, you know, come up and see me. Is, and I agreed. Um, however, I, I take it that the first, what I said was inaccurate in two respects. Well, in one, in one, in one respect, really. And that's the, the place where they will be coming, where I'll be meeting them, the city, is at a lower elevation than where they are now. That's probably true, although... Oh, it's definitely true. But, but uh, okay, good to know. Yeah, much, um, but that yeah. is not why I made the observation yes, that I made. Yes, you made it for the less correct, you know, the, the less, the, the less, um, uh, the less defensible, really, <laughs> reason that the city, oh, the city, hmm. the city where, where they are coming to meet me is south of their current location. And, which and is, up should only be used to refer to traveling north, which is, I think, just very, very offensive to our friends in the Southern Hemisphere. But you, you be you, Joe. So explain you. yourself. Explain Thank yourself. You. Um, yes. Uh, so, so part of this is tangled up with the, uh, our friendly distinction, um, the is and the ought. Uh, and so just to make an observation about how people in that region of the country, uh, uh, the region that I actually am from. Mm-hmm. It's getting pretty humey in here. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. how they how they talk. Okay, and so in uh, in that part of the country, the northeast part of the country, mm-hmm. I think the conventional thing to do, the, nor- the the regular thing you would hear, the most frequent utterance you would hear in this context is that they would be coming down to meet you, not up to meet mm-hmm. you. And you're right; it's not about elevation. And you're right; it's all conceptual in a sense, right? These are met- spatial metaphors and that are loosely applied, and they, right. they capture some of reality and not other parts of reality. Blah blah blah. Um, and I just think, yeah, if, if someone is coming up to meet a person who's in that major city, what that means in that part of the country is that they're coming from a point below south of Mm -hmm. those two things being equated, right? Um, the location of that major city. Yeah. I could get on board with come up when it refers to elevation. I don't think I can get on board with the north south thing. Okay. I mean that because what you're doing is you, you're pointing the other person to a map with words. I'm, I'm what? You're pointing another person to a map with words when you say "come up," which is probably you know that's why you're you're absolutely correct. This accords with convention because none of our maps is uh, uh, has south uh, in, at, the, at top, the top of the at page. the top of the map. Yeah, I mean, just, correct. I mean, there there are funny ones that you see on the internet sometimes, right. and I have no idea how our friends in the southern hemisphere. Whether, whether it is at all common to have the maps, you know. Uh, you know, I don't know either. And, and I would love for our, our listeners in Australia uh, or New Zealand, and we have them and we love them because they're fabulous. That's, they're actually the majority of our listeners. Yeah. So I would love to hear from them about their thoughts about this, how their, what their map conventions are, just their, mm-hmm. the, 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 what's the norm. Put the is. Uh, and then, of course, there's a layer of ought as well that you can talk mm-hmm. about. Uh, sure. Okay. Uh, uh, and if I if if you are Australian, you're trying to bait me with this argument would be a lot more interesting. <laughs> um, you're not. Do uh, they do they even use the phrase uh, "come up to see me"? Another great question. And what do they mean by that? Boy, I loved. It. I, I had a couple of visits to Australia. Just loved it. It's in Queensland, and yeah, um, this it is. You know, for for a northern hemisphere dweller, the idea that it gets more tropical as you travel north is interesting. 
<laughs> yeah, counterintuitive, you might even say. You might say opposite, what one would expect. Yeah, you might. <laughs> um, but that just shows the limits of our expectations. It can show that. It can also show that, uh, you know, you people, uh, people orient how they uh, uh, talk around uh, some of the most common thing, common experiences. Yeah. And, and also the... No, the different experiences, they might open up their thinking and talking in a different way. The, ray great. Of, the reified place of a map in, in, our, in, in talking True. about our geographic space. Totally. It becomes, the map becomes normative. Its orientation becomes normative. True. Not to mention the reified place. Mm. I've heard people say reified in a number of uh, in a number of talks that I've listened to recently. Really, yeah, fabulous. And so I just thought I'd th- try it out. I would usually say reified, um, but 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 no, I, I feel like I've been doing that wrong. So mm. I just I just threw out a reified. There's that whole. Am I doing uh, that wrong? I, I don't know. Um, I mean, you. I I don't know why I'm asking you. You don't know how to pronounce anything. That that <laughs> that is a really fair point. Uh, in, like I remember in in the in the first year or two of law school having these sort of fun uh, debates um, about you know the 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 phrase in in ray is it in re is it in ray mm-hmm. like in a case name yeah um, my recollection is we kind of settled on in ray but um, and and maybe that's a sort of effort to 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 say what we think the right Latin pronunciation would be but of course. Mm. The people who spoke Latin as their regular everyday language have been dead for a few thousand years. So. This reminds me of what I think is, I'm guessing, was a, a very clear difference between you and me as law students. Mm. Um, I bet that not only did you have a copy of Black's Law Dictionary, but that you consulted it. Oh, I loved it. Frequently. I thought it's a great resource. Mm-hmm. I still consult it. I find it to be um, a, Brian Garner's an excellent editor yeah. for the Black's Law Dictionary. Oh, is he an editor? Uh, he is the editor yeah. now, uh, editor in chief, I suppose you might say, mm-hmm. of Black's Law Dictionary. Um, now, Brian Garner, as as virtually every lexicographer does, Brian Garner has very firm views, uh, and that means that uh, you ought to consult multiple sources Mm -hmm. to get a range of views so that you can triangulate and really think about what your what conclusion you want to reach on your own when you're trying to figure out yourself if you find yourself believing that north is always up maybe look at some other maps absolutely as i've already said i would love to do and love to hear about the (laughs) i'd love to hear from our friends in australia Right. Did um, you have other law dictionaries? Did you have other sources, or did oh, you? Oh, sure. You can. I mean, there are great law dictionaries from the 1900s. Bouvier's was a very popular law dictionary. Did you have that as a law um, student? Um, did I have it as a law student? I don't think I'm I just did. thinking you as a Johnny, as a St. John's student coming into law school, would have treasured having some all kinds of different sources and, and <laughs> modes of translation. And, Agreed. And, and, and this was not at all my training uh, coming into yeah, law so, school. No, but I would, I would, so Blacks is great. Um, I, I don't know, I, I don't know, I can't remember sitting here now whether or not there was a copy of Bouvier's in the law library at Northwestern Law School or where I went to law school. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just can't recall. Of course, nowadays, it would be very easy to, to look at it online. Yeah. Uh, but, but, that that wasn't really true then. It wasn't. I mean, it was. It was kind of true it when was, I was a law student, but not really. I was. I was yeah. a law student one L, which is when maybe this is the most important, and that was ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, me. and see, I was a one L in nineteen ninety one. Yeah. So you know, nineteen ninety four is really Netscape Navigator and sort of ninety four, ninety five, and so. Um, yeah, it was Usenet News and email in nineteen ninety one. If you were at right. a university like I was, yeah. yeah. 
so uh so yes there are there are there are multiple uh, law dictionaries of course you could also uh look up uh, you could use Amjur. You could use mm-hmm. CJS. So if you're reading a case and you run across a, a Latin phrase, you would l- consult multiple sources usually? Sure. I mean, if I wasn't familiar with the phrase already, mm-hmm. sure. Why not? Do you want to hear what I would do? Sure. Okay. Because I think this is a good contrast. Um, I would be reading the opinion. I would run across a Latin phrase. I would think to myself, why did they do that? I would roll my eyes. I would skip over it and gather it from context. <laughs> Yeah, and I um, right now yeah. that I'm not. This is not advice for any. Like I, I, I no one should follow my footsteps uh, and in, nor, in just about anything. Nor so. is what I did advice. Uh, <laughs> but it, it is true that you and I do have that that difference in personality. I absolutely looked up m- most things I wasn't familiar with because mm-hmm. I just think it's a fun way to learn and sort of piece together. You're sort of taking the document apart and you're putting it back together, and that's a great way to become more familiar right. with the document. Sometimes older cases, it was more justifiable. In newer cases, I found it unjustifiable, an imposition on my time. And, like, sure. not really. I mean, I didn't feel disrespected at all. I just thought it was like, you know. Right. Like, you didn't have to do that. Exactly. And, yeah, a case that's written any time in the last 30 or 40 years, and, and that's a sort of perennial number, right? So in the 90s, I would have said, a case written in the last 30 or 40 years, although that refers to a right. different time period than now. Uh, yeah, I mean, come on. The, the, in a way, using those phrases is sort of lazy. Yeah, except ex- except when you do your own writing and like I, I throw an inter alia in there, and, I, and then you, then I realize, huh, maybe you know what, what I actually object to are people who use Latin phrases that I don't use, <laughs> <laughs> right, or that you don't know. So I'm uh, it just is one of the ways I'm a ridiculous person. But um, but that was yeah, I, and we I, even I, use them tacitly, like i dot e dot is a, is id est. That is an abbreviation of the hmm. Latin phrase id est. Yeah. Um, e dot g dot is an uh, abbreviation of the Latin, what is it? Um, uh, uh, Ergo guatza. Exemplar gracia or something like that. Hmm. Um, So QED, uh, quad erat demonstratum. um, Yeah. I'd come in from mathematics. And so for me, like reading the case was all about, okay, what is the, what's the nature of the proof here? Mm. You know, there's a proposition you're trying to prove. Right. I, I was like, I was not an idiot. I was to- totally understood that this was not a rigorous proof, like a mathematical proof. But this is a right. series of arguments and yeah, a series an of moves. There. And I'm trying to understand the series of moves. And as a beginning student, at least, like the Latin phrases would just get in the way. And it was like it would take time away to go look them up. And I was not interested in, in law as history in particular at that point. I was interested right. in law as a system. I mean, they may or may not get in the way. You don't really know whether or not they're getting in the way unless you – know what they're unless you know what it says yeah i would almost always gather it from context and if i didn't then i might go look it up or i might just wait for class and have it explained right so fair enough um but i do not advise this and you got a triage right because in law school there's a lot of work to do yeah and so you got to manage your time and one of the ways you might manage your time as you just said is you get what you can from context focus on the things that are much more clear uh and figure out the and of course Struck, like, focusing on the structure of the argumentation mm-hmm. and how it's woven together internally to try to move you from place here to place there. Right. That's really what's the most important, I right. think. And in this, in this particular culture of persuasion, what counts as an argument? Right. Like what counts as a reason? That's yeah. a, you're kind of accumulating in your mind. What are the things that count as reasons Which here? Which can also be a reason to ask yourself about things you're not seeing on the page. Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't they talking about X, where X is a thing that I would have thought they would talk about given right. the subject matter, right? Right. Like, that can be telling, too. Boy, What's talk- not here? I was just uh, talking with someone yesterday who trashed Lon Fuller. 
in the course of the conversation. Oh my. <laughs> is this a person in whom I might become I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell <laughs> In, 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 I might with tell whom you, I might be in physical proximity I might anytime tell you soon, offline. Um, because that person's going to get a beat down. <laughs> who is this person? Was, I'm not going to tell you. But um, uh, I, uh, because, you know what? I just real. I think I know who it is. I extolled the virtues of the Splunkian Explorers piece, right? At, which talk about like reading. So the Splunkian Explorers piece by Lon Fuller is written. The the conceit is that it's a legal opinion. We've talked about it before on the show. Yes. Way back. And in and this, in sort of the classical British form of in seriatim opinions right. by multiple judges. Right. But, but for an American reader, it's also – you could easily imagine a case like that generating five concurrences. Totally. So it's like that too. Yeah. And each of them has a different set of grounds for for their holding or for their non-holding or for their just like getting out of the game. Because it's, <laughs> it's a complicated one where basically do we hang people for um, – for eating each other when they've been when they're trapped uh, in when a, they've been trapped in a cave, yeah, uh, and uh, the facts are interesting and everything. But um, but of course, what's interesting about that uh, article is not that they have different reasons; it's that those reasons sound themselves in different sorts of commitments and reasons. So it's a piece which is really exploring, like you know, right. what counts as reasons in this thing that we do called law, and you see these these different. I, so I use it in legal theory uh, as the first reading, just to kind of motivate these kinds of different modes of thought. Yeah. Um, so that's I, as a one I felt like I was doing some of that work. You know, when I read that piece for the first time, it wasn't until I was a law professor. It was like, wow, that's you know, yeah, this really, you know, it this kind of show. I wish I'd read it when I was a law student. Yeah, agreed. It's an amazing, um, an amazing piece of work, and he was quite good at uh, using that dialogic form. Right. I think he wrote a few other dialogues that were. That's the one that I think is the most well-known and maybe because it's the, the one that has the greatest sort of impact. And it's really, I mean, it's such a gut and head punch. Mm-hmm. It just really shakes you when you read it and th- and really let yourself think about it. Yeah. Uh, so I I think that your approach objectively is the better one for law students. And so I will commend it to law students. I do not, th- I had other approaches in law school that I also do not commend to any other students. <laughs> um <laughs> It worked for me, but like you know, yeah. Anyway, I commend your approach, Joe, to to law students everywhere. That you should. It worked you, for me. You run across a word you don't know. You look it up. It's easier now. You know, I would probably look them up now because I have the internet. That's true. But I'm not getting hunting around for a for a book. Am I even going to buy that book? Why would I buy that book? That's what I. You know, this right. is the kind of thing I was thinking. Well, and I certainly on that last point. I mean, that's certainly a fair point. And I would say, you know, a great reason not to buy it uh, is that. If you're hanging out in the library, which is a place uh, that where they keep lots of really wonderful books, oh, they do. Um, you can use uh, things like dictionaries and other uh-huh. research, and not just Black's Law Dictionary, but you know there are great dictionaries um, or or encyclopedic resources. Mm-hmm. Paul Graves publishes a bunch of things that are really well done, very high quality, mm-hmm. and and they're great. And just and they're just sitting there on the shelves. They in this, are. In this you library? can. You absolutely. How much? How much do you have to pay in, when, to rent these things? You do not. Not a thing. Really? Uh, it's included in uh, think it's a twelve dollars a month. Is that no, you get no, access? It's, it's all you can eat kind of thing. Think of it. <laughs> think of it as underwritten by uh, by your tuition dollars uh, if you're if you're a student. So it's quote unquote free. Uh, yeah, and uh, and and also now here's a here is here is something I will commend to people uh, the law students who are listening if there are any. Um, there were, but boy, <laughs> law librarians are people you ought to get to know. Mm-hmm. That you ought to be uh, very friendly toward, not merely because uh, there are other human beings and you should try to be a friendly human being, but because um, they are treasures 
and yeah. and talking to them and learning from them and 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 help you know getting them on your team and being on their team that's yes. a great thing. I've, Law librarians are awesome. I I have always been throughout my life terrible at using like uh, research librarians and they are amazing and they can find stuff and incredible. it's incredible. Like, yeah, they're really incredible and and yeah. So if if like me, you have been terrible at this or you are not even familiar, you don't even like for you a librarian is someone who stamps the stamps the book with the with the date thing and that's all that it is like you you need to educate yourself and go say yeah. hi to your research librarians and yeah if you think the librarian is only the person who sits at the checkout desk you're doing it wrong right there i've said it yeah one of the many things that i have done wrong throughout my life joe yeah um what else i was going to say about this uh um hmm like how did we get on this train of thinking about this difference between you and me and how we read cases? It had to do with else? the north, south, up, down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All these and conventionality. Yeah, and then and I was thinking, yeah, that that um, um, that you wanted to know. The, I mean, because we were talking about conventional meanings and how important it is, and you were, I think, wisely trying to acquire a, a good trove of conventions in law by looking up these words when you didn't know them. Yeah, and and of course, some people. Uh, might infer from all of this falderall uh, that I'm a prescriptivist. I'm not. Um, I'm a I'm a descriptivist. Um, uh, uh, but you know, like uh, you know, like chocolate pudding or warmed milk, I get that little film on Ooh. me of 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 prescriptivism, and Ooh. it seems like you're being prescriptive, or you get a, like a crust, and mm. you just got to break through that a little bit. I'm a descriptivist, of course. I, I don't know if I like that last part. It's a little, okay. sound a little gross. Like, it is a little gross. Might have to mark this. Prescriptivism is in fact a little gross and crusty <laughs> and filmy, and so you need to just get rid of that stuff, clean it off yeah. every now and again. And underneath is a nice, healthy, if you vibrant it descriptivist. A, if you describe it as a crust, and you don't relate that crust to a human being, that's okay. <laughs> But a film, unless you're referring to an actual movie, it just never sounds good. Yeah. Like when and, is, and on the other hand, a crust on a French bread, like a like a baguette with a crust is like absolutely. the crust is really critical. Right. But a baguette with a film, uh, mm. not so much. <laughs> oh no. Mm, yeah. Um, well, this has been great, Joe. This is. Yeah, I feel it's like good to see you, and <laughs> it's been good to talk. I appreciate it. Uh, what else? What else do we got? What you know? What else do we want to catch up on? <laughs> We we are going to talk about 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 Joe's ideas for participating in seminars and small group discussions of all kinds, mm. uh, which is very prescriptive. You have to follow each and every one of these. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, true. I wish we could get your head shakes into there, like some. You know, we talked about audio emojis a while ago. Mm. A little Joe head shake audio emoji to sprinkle in there. The um, the 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 very first word in the document to which you refer. Uh, this document wherein I state uh, with with very much explicit, direct, and, and, and quite extensive inspiration from another person and the document they wrote. Um, really, the very first word in the document is the word suggestions, mm. which is an indication that what you just said is, is not just wrong. It's sort of bananas wrong. Well, um, no, it, but it's not well, the word like you must do talk, every little thing. You know, talk about the the... Um, descriptive, prescriptive distinction here. Suggestion is a word that has multiple meanings. So that's when, true. When a when a with when an authoritarian boss uses the word suggestion, it has one meaning. Yes. When a rando on the street makes a suggestion when they see you struggling with something, it has a different meaning. That's true. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to take it. You um, see, you're the teacher of the class. You are an authority, actually. 
and you're making suggestions. I wonder how that's taken. Well, that's a fair point. Hmm. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, I think um, uh, I viewed the audience as just being other people who are participating in a seminar. Okay, so let's 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 get this out on the table. So so you are you're running I, a seminar this year, as we often do each year. Most of us run a seminar style class, uh, maybe every couple years, maybe every. Three. It just depends on your teaching load and what you're doing. Um, I do a jurisprudence seminar once a year. I do kind of an undergraduate seminar, which just got started this week. Boy, they're great, Joe. Mm. I got a great group. Yeah, they're really, really, yeah, really, really fun. Terrific. Really, really talking. You know, this is so. You and I, Joe, we recorded a podcast series that goes along with that. Do you still use that? Oh yeah, oh, it's wow. great. I'm, I, you know, I, I listen to it um, to to get ready for class, and uh, and I, sometimes I have to edit it a little bit, and I've updated over over the years. But like, I'm I'm always impressed with you, Joe. How you're, you know, it's like. <laughs> It's a little bit like team teaching. Like, you know, I laid this thing out. I wrote this textbook for it and got materials together. And, I, right. and then and then we talk about it. And I'm like, wow, you really unpack another layer of this. So I, hmm. hats off to you. And, and and see, you, this is something you did a while ago. You're not thinking about it anymore. Right. And I'm getting this constant reminder. Boy, Joe makes this better. Right. Well, I get um, – I, I – I prefer to be impressed uh, by people in real time, and so fortunately, I enjoy that with you. So huh, you okay. impress me in real time instead of in recorded form, and then it fades, yeah, and then it gets refreshed. Mm. It's like I'm the star of that movie um, Memento. Like it's all backwards, mm. and I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But it'll all make sense at some point. <laughs> I just wish I had more post-it. So you're teaching a seminar this semester, yes. Um, as you have done in the past. And yeah. uh, and I think this is the first semester, is that right, where you have distributed to the students uh, a short memo, which is, I think it's one page, right? It's a one-pager. It is. It was, and, I, and I very much designed it to be one page. Yeah. It's a one-pager with suggestions for how one should approach and conduct oneself and think about participating in a conversational seminar thing. Is that, how have I done there? I know yeah. the last bit, the conversational seminar thing was pure gold, but how did I do overall? <laughs> that was That's great. Uh, yeah. Yes, that is true. That's what I did. I did share it with the students. Um, I also posted it on SSRN a, oh, wow. a few days after I, I, now, I was not planning it. to do any show notes. Having checked in with, um, uh, with David Townsend, the St. John's uh, tutor who most directly inspired this my drafting of it. Your alma mater? Um, yeah, St. John's College. Uh, uh, in Annapolis, Maryland, and Santa Fe, New Mexico, I was on the Annapolis campus mostly. Um, that is where I went to uh, uh, college, mm-hmm. and uh, David Townsend was a tutor, which is the word St. John's people use for professor. Uh, 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 David Townsend was a tutor there. I had him for a freshman Greek mm-hmm. uh, tutorial, and uh, he's also been a, a, a leader in a seminar leader in um, some of these alumni. Th- programs mm-hmm. that I've gone back to. Which are open to others than St. John's alumni. They right? are, especially the Santa Fe Classics one. The the, the Annapolis one is a, is a little bit more alumni focused. Okay. But the, uh, the Summer Classics uh, programs in Santa Fe, New Mexico are are truly are open to it. And there were lots of people who had not been to St. John's as undergrads um, who, who participated this past summer that I met. And are they one there. week or how, hmm? how long are these so the, the, in each, the summer? Each of these Summer Classics things is a week long, but there are three weeks of them stacked up in a row. Mm-hmm. So in theory, I guess you could do, a person could have done as many as six of them. Oh, wow. Uh, because there's a morning and an afternoon, oh. and then they ran three weeks in a row. So you could do two each week for, right. for three weeks for a total of but six. But you pay per course. Is that right? So yes, if you want to do two while you're there, you pay for two courses. Right. If you want to do and, one, and, you pay for one. Yeah. And I did a, a, a Dante's Inferno in the morning and a Keats uh, Ode's 
uh, the the odes of uh, the lyric odes of uh, the poet Keats um, in the afternoon, and it was super fantastic. And they have, I saw the catalog for this, um, mm-hmm. and they have, a, you know, th- those are seem to hew closer to your interests this summer. But there are really diverse classes that they offer. Yeah, the, some of them are day long. So, uh, and those are the ones that focus on uh, physics or, or mathematics. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there were others that were. Um, nonfiction, although not very many of those. Most of the ones that are either in the afternoon or the morning tend to be fiction mm-hmm. sources, but they're, you know, all kinds of authors, um, not just the more classic yeah, it authors. It seems great. I was kind of jealous. I mean, I didn't have time this summer, but like yeah. it seems like, you know, hanging out up there in the hills of Santa Fe. If you have time next summer, I would encourage fun. you to do it. I had a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. It was great fun. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think, or I encourage anyone out there who's listening who has the time and the and, I'm, and who's blessed with the ability to have the time and has the money to do it. And I'm blessed in both those ways. And yeah. so I was able to do it and I had a great time. Yeah, I don't know how many people I talked to about St. John's College because my son goes there now. And, and... Either they've heard of it and they say, oh, I wish I could go back there. I would, you know, like it, it's a place people want to go back to college because, you know, everything is from original sources and the discussions are focused only on the text. And so like, by the time you finish your education, you, you have this, you know, you have a, um, a, a really deep knowledge of the canon and its original form. Um, or the Western canon, yeah. primarily, although there are these preceptorials and other things that right. can contribute. But Which anyway, so this great... is a way to get a taste of that as an adult, if you if you have missed the chance to do this as a as a youngster. True, uh, and and my only uh, my only amendment, and it, I think it is a friendly one, would be to say that it it is um, as a young person who goes there and does that. It's a it is a great jumping off point for the rest of your life as mm-hmm. as a as a way to introduce you to the way that you can learn really always. And okay. it's never really over. Um, and it's, so it's a nice foundation for that. But part of what you see in that foundation is it's meant to be built upon. Okay, like let me just look at this memo and make sure we've hit all the points that St. John's asked us to hit in order to get our ad revenue. So anyway, the reason we're going through all of this about, uh, the, about the cricket is to set up like the nature of the discussions that they have there that Right. Out of which this this memo grows, and your approach to seminars. Yeah, and so I was at this uh, as I was at the Santa Fe uh, thing this summer, and and David um, uh, uh, at a Sunday evening reception before the Monday when we began that week of classes. David Townsend was there, and he was speaking to all the participants about what a St. John's seminar is like. And he was doing it precisely because there were many people there who had not been to St. John's as an undergrad. And so they might not be as familiar. And so he had this one page handout, which also went along with his remarks. But he was delivering his remarks. And I found it very moving mm. when he was describing it. It was very like emotionally moving. Wow. Um, and because he described it so beautifully. Uh, and he had this one page handout. But there were many facets of what he said that make more sense in the context of the specific St. John's undergraduate experience, mm-hmm. which is what he's most familiar with as a teacher there. And I looked at it and I thought, you know, I would love to be able to give something like this to my seminar students at, in law school. Let me just let me stop you for a second. So when when you say you're emotionally moved, I I think it's worth like being a little um getting into a little bit more detail about that because i think do i have it that right that that what it may that you have a very deep appreciation for the role of serious conversation in the good life yes like those two things are inseparable 
and to have a conversation about how a conversation is made excellent, maybe in an Aristotelian sense or something, right, it is is basically to also be talking about the good life at the same time. Do I have that right? I think that's a excellent uh, statement mm-hmm. of a thing, I think. Yes. And felt. I, I don't know. If and that's, feel. Yeah. yeah, I think it and feel it. Yeah, it's true. It is in my pith and marrow. So that's so I, I think that's important context because this little one pager. I mean, there's so many one pagers that we pass out in law school. The syllabus, <laughs> all the stuff, right? And that's true. To, to, and, and this looks like just a suggestion for like how to conduct oneself in a seminar, and it may come off as like, yeah, these are kind of rules of the road, or I found these things to be helpful. But I get a sense that this is an emotional document for you. It, it, well, it is, or at um, least expressive of something which is deeply because, emotional. B- yeah, because it's a human. I think it's a very human document. Um, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a document about human relatedness. And so of course that involves n- not just, um, uh, mentation, but involves emotion. Uh, sure. It's not just conceptual. It's also, uh, emotional because human beings are emotional. Well, so let's, let's get to some specifics. Let's um, hear about it. So well, one last thing. So okay. I did, I did, I approached David and I, um, and thanked him for his remarks and thanked him about the one page handout, but I also related this is to as him. as you were that, wiping the tears out of your eyes. Correct. Okay. Um, and, uh, but I also said to David that, uh, you know, I would love to, to, uh, take this and sort of riff on it and write my own version for my seminar students and like, would that be okay with you? And I would also love to run it by you once I've done that. He himself had been to, uh, was a student at Harvard Law School way, 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 way back in the day. Oh, by the way, can I stop you for a second and say this is related? This, you know, this is, I'm, I'm probably doing all the things that you say not to do in this, in this memo, but um, <laughs> not at all. Uh, I, uh, speaking of crying, uh, I had a, um, a listener of the show who happens to be a remarkable person, mm. um, stop me and tell me um, that your phrase, which I know, you know, he wasn't clear about which of us it was, but it was obviously you, Joe, because you all the best <laughs> phrases come from you. And <laughs> that on a previous episode, you had used the phrase projectile crying. Mm, yeah. And, and this person was determined that that should enter the general lexicon. That this should be a, this should be a thing. Yeah, hashtag projectile crying. So when you got emotional, I imagine it was it was more a more quiet emotion here. It was not projectile crying. That is, that is true. I did not. You could not hear the splashing sounds <laughs> of my tears as they hit the wall or the uh, the table. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to give you that kudo to let you know I, that you're, I, you're. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, the phrase ugly cry, which is another phrase you'll hear about, doesn't begin to approach the intensity required to describe the way I cried at that function, which is why I came up with the phrase projectile crying. Yeah. Woo. Which function was that? Um, it was it was this thing at Lewis and Clark and it was like a goodbye thing. And oh, a, and I right. was all, but there was a one the week before, which was about um, celebrating one of my yeah. colleagues. And I had to give I these couldn't remember the oh context. God, it, it, was probably ju- our, it was probably our immediately prior episode, but that was seven months ago. So yeah, I couldn't exactly. remember. I could not remember. It was a mess. And anytime, like if I ever have to deliver remarks at, um, at, you know, uh, heaven forfend uh, someone's funeral, we're going to have to just wrap everyone in trash bags because I'm like, I'm just going to be blasting Mm -hmm. tears like a fire hose. I digress. So I (laughs) said to David, could I run that by you? And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. So I went home and, you know, it was a week or two later. And then I was like, oh, you know, I want to do that. So I sat down and I thought about the ones that he had. There was also this other 
uh, publication, which the college has this little one page sheet, which mm-hmm. is also for people who maybe are less familiar without the seminars at the college and stuff. And it had, so it had a little bit of information about the college and its history and then this other and some pointers. So I looked at that and that came up with this one page thing, mm-hmm. uh, which I wrote and I, and I credit David and the other thing in the footnote on the bottom of the page, um, and I just think it's important to do that. Do you I mean, send it to him? Do you run it back by him? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and and he appreciated it and nice. thought it was uh, very good. Um, and and so yeah, I put it on SSRN so that people can um, can look at it if they'd like. Um, Nicholson Price, who's at Michigan, he sent a, a tweet the other day. He enjoyed it quite oh, a bit. Oh, great! And so and uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to send this one out without show notes. So, um, but what I'm going to tell people to do is just Google Joe Miller SSRN and download each and every. <laughs> thing you have posted there <laughs> um yeah multiple times and oh, then sure. and then this one and then get cut off from ssrm um <laughs> but yeah so uh so you wanted to talk about it all yes i so i would so yeah what how do how do you approach this what 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 is the distinctive joe miller approach or the well you know this distinctive approach to seminars well right it's it's really it's it's um it's just sort of the saint john's way of thinking about things which is which is a few ideas that that interrelate. One idea is the the sort of um, the motivating idea is the idea about the uh, vital importance of uh, honest, challenging, and also friendly and engaged conversation mm-hmm. to life. Mm. And to learning and to understanding, right? Right. That's what's motivating it. And then if you ask yourself questions about how you can accomplish that, given that some of the most important things to read, some of the most important things you would want to engage with, of course, involve some of the most challenging and in, a, in some ways confrontational and in some ways difficult things you can think of. Right. Like that's what makes them worth reading. No less, we're no, thinking less, about? Yeah, no less true in law school than in, in, than in a liberal arts education. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so th- the, the very things that make you most want to read them might make them most hard to talk about, hmm. actually, mm-hmm. especially with people with whom you disagree, although they might be some of the people from whom you learn the very best things about your engagement with that material. Right. So, gosh, how do you do this? Right. Uh, and you know, the college, which is how people who went to St. John's refer to St. John's, um, has just worked out sort of a pragmatic sense for a few things that if you try to do it, it makes for more rewarding because more engaging, because more informative, because more like deep and, uh, and meaningful conversations about texts now do you do you get a sense that this is uh this approach has evolved over the what is it like 800 years that they've been a college (laughs) it's like it's a a very old college it is very old college although although uh the program which is how people the program is younger yes it's 1937 Mm -hmm. uh 
when uh, Scott Buchanan and Stringfellow Barr took this sort of stuff that had been going on at Columbia and a little bit at, at the University of Chicago and some other people who've been doing this sort of great book stuff. And in Columbia, I think they would call it the core curriculum yeah. or something like that. So these ideas have been kicking around and and what and they just this was just their riff on that. And they said, like, what if we do nothing but this? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Exactly. What, what if uh, we turn the dial to eleven on, <laughs> on, on this, this approach? Stuff. And and it, so has it evolved? I'm sure it's evolved. Um, and and of course, well, it, you, you you said pragmatic, so I imagine things are tried and like the the ethos of participation and instruction yeah. probably has changed over time. I, I assume. But I, I think that's know. true, and and I also think it's true in in you know what what happens in macro. Uh, with many happens in micro with with one right mm-hmm. each person has to pragmatically work their way through it as a new student there yeah. to kind of try to get their arms around how to do this um, because it's it is a thing that that doesn't happen at a lot of places and so you might get there and you might not have really done it before although you might recognize uh, the fact that you're a student there suggests that you've recognized its potential enough to want to participate yeah. in it. Lots of colleges are different. I, I went to a state university, and I had, and I was also a math major. So those are very, those were very different classes. I mean, they were. Um, I know St. John's has a great math program, and it's different. But, um, but so, so anyway, you can have a lot of lecture classes, but you might have you will also undoubtedly have a few smaller discussion based classes. Sure, but that's a. Um, so, so lots of people are familiar with being in a discussion-based environment, but it's if you don't do it all the time, you know, it just seems like something that's kind of you know some classes are more lectury and some are more discussiony, and there's kind of a spectrum and right, you know, but that's not the the case at St. John's. So, or uh, and and it's also not I, I think how you think of your seminar. I, I get the sense that you think of your seminar discussion class as different in kind and quality from a from a large lecture class. Absolutely. Like, like very different. Not just like, oh, this is going to be more discussion-y. Like, no, we're doing a different thing in here. Absolutely. That is how I, that is how I think of it, and that is how I wish it were. And to the degree that it winds up falling short of that, that I wish it were otherwise. Yeah. Um, now, I'm partly responsible for the ways in which it isn't always the best version of itself, and mm-hmm. I take the blame for that. 100%. Good. I, I blame you. Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, you're in good company. You have me all right there with you. Um, and of course, it doesn't always meet that. And, yeah. and so, you know, the first meeting is always different because you've got some mechanics things that you need to do, right? Yeah. And so the, 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 the person who's responsible for the seminar, namely the person, the teacher, um, winds up talking more than they otherwise would or would want to or whatever. But the, like the, 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 the seminar thing, it's, 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 it's equalizing in the sense of the people in the room being participants and all of them are, are equally participants in the conversation, which means there isn't sort of the sage on the stage professor kind of thing happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one sign that a seminar is going really, really well is when people are talking to one another and not running everything through the professor. Right. Um, which is hard to get people to do so you don't take plato's version of socrates as your model for how to run a seminar where you ask questions and people say of course not professor miller yes professor <laughs> yes I professor not. miller i right. do not take that as a model of and you get to the end and you say see you knew the answer all the time to- all along it was yes. always inside of you yeah. exactly yeah um so why don't we t- why don't we talk then what is the model that you use oh for- so do you want to like yeah let's hear some stuff so- I-, I think people want some you know, uh, as as a wise man once said, specificity is the soul of narrative. Mm. So I think 
the first point is uh, is actually the the most important, um, conveniently enough, uh, and and that is it really is about the text. Mm-hmm. So when you're trying to have, just recall what I said before, right? You're you're trying to have a really deep and engaged conversation with different people of different points of view about a challenging text. And it turns out a great way to make that work better is to engage more with the text. Right. Not less. Okay. Right. So, so, so someone might be asking how, how could it be otherwise? How does this, how does it fail to be about that? And, and a way it could fail would be if people think it's more important to talk about things in their own life that the text reminds them of, but that other people in the room haven't experienced or participated in. Right. What's interesting about that is it does tell us more about how you've engaged with the text, but because we weren't with you on those other occasions, we haven't had that experience. So that's, so, a, that's kind of a version of the famous collo- – oh, you okay? Yeah. That's, a, that's a version of the famous um, collo- colloquium question, you know, like someone's giving a talk about bankruptcy and you say, well, I teach torts and in torts we have this and how does this relate to what I'm doing? And um, I had a friend right. one time who says a lot of these questions always come down to why aren't you me? Right. <laughs> right. It, like a sin- yeah, a sincere answer to that question would be, you know, uh, I, I don't have any earthly idea how it works in torts because that's not – I mean, this is a bankruptcy paper. Right. I mean, right. who well, knows what that person's experience there, is. There are good versions of that question though, of course, right? Because, right. you know, I mean, you learn more about one area of law by thinking about how it works in other areas. But that's yeah. but that's not really what you're talking about. When, when In a seminar setting, you really are really trying to focus on the text yes, initially a, at least. A, exactly. And it's a good – and it's a good um, – of course, it, it puts a priority on, on, on ensuring that the texts are very well chosen. They need to sustain mm-hmm. that level of engagement. Mm-hmm. If you've chosen texts that are strong enough to stand up to that level of engagement, then people can return again and again to the text. Right. right? The, the seminar meeting can be a, an occasion for really engaging with that text, trying to fully explore and understand it on its own terms. What is it doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's happening in it? And and the reason why it's super helpful as a focus is because it is the thing you all have in common. You read it to prepare for that conversation. You're there having that conversation. It's the thing you all actually most specifically share on, this, at that day and time. And this point reminds me so much of things that I'm working on now about um, how human beings cooperate, how we learn to cooperate, and how we really become human beings. And And this facility we have not only for joint intentionality but for collective intentionality collectively to build a thing to which we all refer and you know in a group of students they come from all kinds of different backgrounds and and that diversity can be great in the right setting but maybe in a seminar there's a particular opportunity to create a very narrow object of attention that we build just a you know we, we together build ideas from but it is a singular Point of attention, and it and it is very narrow, and it is also very deep. Mm-hmm. Again, if it's well chosen, right. So that coordinating function that the text is serving conversationally is something that people who are participating in that conversation c- can like rely on and return to. To the first suggestion, just I'll just read it to yes. you. 
um, return often to the text that centers the conversation. We share the text in common. It is our friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a good thing. It is yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, it is what we are there to talk about. It is there. It's what we're trying to learn about and from and with. It's very much like when we individually attempt to focus attention in whatever setting that, you know, it, it is the case, you know, whether you are uh, whether you're deep in meditation or just trying to uh, write something or otherwise focus that you will find yourself just trying to focus and the mind will wander. And at some point you have to recognize that and bring it back to the object of focus to complete your task. Right. Right. So that's also true collectively. That it is inevitable that in a conversation, in a seminar, or elsewhere, if our joint, if our collective intention is to focus on a thing, that nonetheless we will find that, you know, our attention starts to wander. Right. And you're, this first suggestion is, you know, be mindful of the fact that it is important to return to the object of attention. It's important to return to the text, you know, often. And what was so compelling about the way you were describing reading cases earlier is that that's what you were doing internally you were kind of trying to figure out the argument taking it apart and putting it back together yeah. and then when you come together and talk about a, ca- a text like a case together you can then do that together yeah and you can share with others how you took apart and reassembled the argument and, I was being and you can hear yeah. from them that yeah. they well actually you know when i did that what i found interesting was was this aspect of it mm-hmm. and that's like cool because it you might not have thought that yeah i, I was you know, I, I still think it's ill-advised, but part of my reticence to, like, stop reading the text and get out of the dictionary is that loss of focus. Right? Great. And and so that was like, you know, I I was really, when I was, especially as a first year, I was so excited about what I was doing. I just yeah. wanted to read the cases and understand what they were in. And you could, you know, I, I think the obvious criticism is how can you understand what they're doing if you don't understand the words that they're using? So that's a good criticism, but, like, you know, I think that's um, – there's always a trade-off with kind of focus and using other sources to try to understand something. And so someone might have a good motivation in the context of a seminar discussion to say, hey, if I bring in some knowledge that I've gotten over here, maybe it even is, you know, secondary knowledge about the text or its effects or what's happened since, that will enhance our understanding of the text. And this suggestion kind of points away from that kind of thing, like centering the discussion on the common point of reference. And maybe we can, if we're going to discuss secondary things, maybe we discuss them later when we read about them. Is that, is that right? Sure. Um, and, and it, you know, that, you know, all these things are, are as I said pragmatic before, right? All these things are, are like, of course there are counterexamples. And of course there are instances where this wouldn't be quite the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or of course you can, leaven, in which it wouldn't, you can yeah. leaven each of these things with, you know, but there was that moment when I really did want to share this thing that I know everyone else in the room hasn't done or seen or heard, but, but, but it, I, I quickly shared it and then brought it back and made it clear how I thought it related and, and made the textual right. piece more compelling, right? Especially if something in the text is, uh, um, contains an idea or a uh, um, a description of a way of life that is injurious to other people in ways that the group might not otherwise understand. This is like you know racism, other things that may yeah, be that can be very in the powerful. Text. And it can be very powerful to bring in examples of how these ideas have actually hurt me or hurt people that yeah. I know. And, and, and when you connect it to what's happening in the text, again, it just sheds more light on the text. Yes, which is great. Good, good, good. Um, what else you got? So the second one. And some of these have subpoints. We, we need just, to go through each and every one. Oh my god! <laughs> um, so it's interesting that because the next one is about the, the about the cooperation and the coordination thing that is facilitated by what the seminar experience is about. So the next one is each seminar is a new community. We are all in it together as a conversation, uh, and then open paren not a debate. <laughs> 
Mm. Close paren. In other words, you can't win a seminar. No. Um, although you can, you can lose it. <laughs> you can obviously lose one. <laughs> yeah, right. And the way you lose it is by thinking you can win right. it. Um, right. So the, a, they, people say that about law in general. Like, there, you know, you, when, once you study law, you realize there aren't singular right answers, although adherence to the right answer thesis would disagree, but I, I digress. But there certainly are wrong answers. <laughs> yes. Right? Uh, so right. the, um, the sub-bullets for – the sub-points for um, – uh, that that main point. Uh, the first is um, no sincere question is too simple or elemental, and the simplest may be the most important. Right? Trying to trying to get people to disconnect the idea that um, complexity and importance are are sort of co- correlated with right. each other. They're not right. Uh, and a, can, a deep point can be simply stated and be obvious as soon as you say it. It need not be complex in order to be deep and, and important and to the conversation. Su- right, and super important um, right. as a contribution or as a question. Uh, the next uh, subpart is uh, law is a social activity. A seminar True. can, with shared effort, embody law's virtues. So, so law's virtues as a social activity can be um, exemplified by a seminar about a legal text. And, right. and, and that is a community-oriented way of thinking about it. Instead of a, I want to singularly vanquish and win a debate. Oh my God, please leave because you're going to make it terrible. This is an an important point for even beginning law students and and for other people who are just interested in law that, you know, becoming a lawyer is not like getting on an amusement park ride where you're going to ride on a track and do things in exactly the, the way that's been laid out for you. Like once you join the community of lawyers and judges and policymakers, you are helping to build something. Right. And that thing can be excellent. You know, there are oral arguments and procedures and and uh, trials and um, mediations and all kinds of things which are either proceed excellently or horribly. Correct. Right. And there are some procedures which could be made better. But like so it's not an amusement park ride that you're kind of jumping on board and riding until you retire. It is you're entering a kind of an open world. Maybe it's more like Minecraft. Mm, More like Minecraft than uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon. Build it. Mm. Although I guess you make it the own, your own roller coaster and roller coaster tycoon. Mm. I don't know. Uh, so the next main point, definitely not like Doom. <laughs> I've played none of these, by the way. Oh, okay. Um, to the next main point, uh, which is a reinforcing community point, um, and then this one also has some sub points. Okay, let's let's um, hear them all. But, but the main point: uh, respect one another and yourself. Offer your best self as your seminar self. Mm. Right. So there's a there's a uh, there there is a a comp- this is the ex- point about excellence, right? Yes. There is a better and worse version of this. There is a, um, uh, and indeed the second subpoint uh, actually uses the word moral. So, but the first subpoint, um, say what you think as clearly and succinctly as you can. It helps others to build on it, right? So, be, so saying what you really think is really important. Yeah. Because nobody else can make that contribution. I, I that, wish that yeah. you can make because you're the you are unique, and so say what you really think this clearly, is, yeah, um, and directly, and and that is a gift to everyone else in the room. So please make sure you make it. It's also true of legal ac- academia. It's say quite what true. you think. There's no other reason to do anything. No other good reason to do anything. But go, keep going. Keep going. I want right. to hear more. Um, second uh, sub point: be morally present. Mm. The readings are interesting because they really are about each of us. Okay. Right. If they're well chosen, they they 
call out for this kind of engagement. They bear up under this kind of engagement. They welcome this kind of engagement. So be genuinely and morally present for that engagement. Even if the discussion of the readings is ultimately uh, uh, one of rejection, where the, the thesis is rejected or the or important parts of it are, right? The, the group right. has done something together in doing so. Yeah. And you have to engage that moral part of you, that moral evaluative part of you in order to, to take that kind of attitude. Yes. Um, individually and collectively. Right. And this is, these are not, like if you're doing it as, if it's all a pose and it's all insincere, it's like you're doing it wrong. That's not. It can be really hard for students. I mean, you know, you and I go to faculty faculty colloquia and conferences a lot where, you know, there's oftentimes there's a presentation, there are questions and things. And I, I think it really it's, I think it's really easy to lose sight of in the context of a of some because I remember like early on, like you maybe you get kind of nervous when you're about to ask a question. And very true. And I think it's very important as in all of life to have kind of a self-awareness about us, like, you know, why am, you know, so you, you get this intention to ask a certain question or, you know, I think this would be interesting. And it's always good to like have an awareness of like, why am I doing that? Like, what is my purpose here? Right. Yeah. And, and so what I hear you saying here is like, be mindful of purpose, right. And make sure that that purpose is like morally inclined and inclined toward the welfare of the group, right. Yeah. In, in making this discussion better. And so maybe you may think this would be People would be really impressed if they hear me say this. And maybe that's a time when you pull back a little bit and say, does this need to be said now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? No, I think that's a I think that's really quite true. And and it, it's and to cultivate that sense. Don't, don't yeah. just don't just have it, cultivate it. Yeah, this is not something this is not just a state of being, either you have this or you don't. This is something that has to be cultivated. It right. is a long term practice. Um the practice of law is a practice, right? It is yeah. something that you get excellent at over time. So true. Or you get worse at over time. Definitely. If you indulge your worst instincts, right? It, it, sad, sadly, that is true. Um, the next sub point here, uh, avoid pairwise side conversa- conversation, share your ideas with all the participants. It's just a like – it can be tempting to yeah. with, maybe you're sitting next to a friend or maybe mm-hmm. you're and it's just not and it can happen even if you're really excited about the reading even, even if you're excited about the conversation it's like but you have right. to be aware that when other people see that happening yeah. like, it's just very natural and maybe it's not the most charitable way but a lot of people will take this point of view that like maybe they're saying bad things about me <laughs> right? <laughs> right. right or bad things about what we're doing or yeah. you know and so and if you really are excited then then maybe we will be too and so share it with us like that would i or if it's challenging or critical ask yourself is it if it's kind but critical maybe find a way to say that and, yeah. and try to work hard to say what to work hard to make the words say what you mean and it can and that can be really hard and it can even be a little frightening yeah um uh, don't leave the room unless you must and if you do return as quietly as you're able oh that's again it's a respect point but Mm -hmm. it's good to be so some of these things seem very homely now that that, you're talking leaving the room in a physical sense correct okay (laughs) yes um, don't but, leave mentally either, but yes, um, I think that's an important point. But, I think that, but, I think you have a I think you have a deeper point than you realize there, Joe. <laughs> right. So, this is this also I, I think. Okay, so so it works at a physical level, at a slightly less physical level. That's don't get on your computer and surf the web and ah, leave. Yeah. And that's it. Don't leave the conversation. Right. Right. And if you do, return as quietly as possible. Yeah. I don't know. And and then it has a an even like deeper one. Like right? you know, yeah. remain mindful of the conversation. Nice. Don't engage in you know. Try not to engage to the extent that you can in 
mind wandering, which goes off topic. Oh. Because then you, you know, all of a sudden you're back and it's like, oh, what have people said? And oh, I've got something to say. And it turns out someone has already said that. <laughs> yeah, that sentence contains multitudes. It does. Well, you know, this is the, this this is a show which is one of those which is getting directly at the entire point of this podcast, which is um, what's going on with Joe. So the, like this episode. Yeah. Yeah. This episode is intensely therapeutic. <laughs> um, it just seems all about uh, all right. the, the all therapy. Right. Um, All right, come at us. What else you got? So uh, the next, we're at a main point again. Okay. Um, And this point, this main point sort of departs most dramatically from the two other things I consulted and was riffing on. Okay. This is a thing that it was very much not the way David framed a thing, but Mm -hmm. but it is a thing that I really... So this is all you. I really believe this, and it's a metaphor that I acknowledge does not really work. Oh, but I it's I I have failed to come up with a better one about about it, and it's got a. So we're going to workshop this thing right now. Let's yeah, go. What do, you, what do you got? Part of why I like it is because it's got this New England feel to it, which I really like. So um, it's so it's come up to the seminar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, <laughs> good conversation is like a picket fence with strong boards and plain spaces on a solid frame. So it's got. It's got parts and mm-hmm. they're and they're arranged and they're functional and they're simple mm. and they interact. Mm. They work together to accomplish a goal. And it's just very peaceful. Let me take a run at this. It's very ro- this feels like a Robert Frosty kind of thing to me. Well, Although I heard he was a real jerk a lot of the time, but so I don't mean to invoke him in a jerky way, but some people can be can can um And I'm often Some people can share excellent prescriptions and yet fail to follow them themselves. That is true and, and I and shudder to think about what people think about me in that. It regard. does not invalidate the prescriptions though. Fair um, enough. But um so so let me take a run at this. So if you find yourself asking a question or making a comment that has the that that has the character of building an entire fence maybe slow your roll a little bit let some other people throw some boards in there mm. um, is that is that part of what you're saying like and, you know that it's that the, the best conversation is one where we all contribute a little bit and it, it, it is and and not just boards but spaces mm-hmm. would you like to hear the sub points i would i would love to hear the so sub points. this one has some sub points okay um engage with all who are there not merely the professor who's only too happy to say less Right. Mm-hmm. Lots of boards, lots of people with boards, lots of that frame is there. We can all help build that fence. And if everybody does their, I, I've, the professor's happy to say less. And I think students don't always realize what a tough job it is being a professor and being aware of the misapprehensions that other students might have and that you're trying to make the, you're trying to make the conversation go in the way that you're describing it here. And so you're always alert to the fact that it might go off the rails and, there are some things you want the students to know. It's, it's a difficult job. It, it is. It'd be um, nice if you didn't have to say anything. It's a, it's a job uh, that, it's, uh, that I know only too well it's easy to be bad at. <laughs> I, I know that only too well. Right. Kind of like podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, share the airtime resisting the urge to talk over much. Mm. Silence. Can I is... break in here, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> you just did. Uh, silence is okay. It may mean that everyone is reflecting on what's been said. Mm-hmm. Listen with at least as much care as you speak. Make space for those who want in, but hesitate. Interrupting is bad. 
speaking in a way that cries out for interruption is worse. <laughs> um, That's, see, this is difficult. I, it is um, these sound hallmarkish, mm, yeah. like sound hallmark cardish when you line them all up and you put them together and stuff. And I don't, and I don't mean for them to be that way, but, but I, this, the idea that there is like, and I, and I'll just say like, I love a good picket fence. Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm being totally serious here. Like I love a good physical, well-made, elegant, simple picket fence. I just think they're beautiful, and they have sp- and the spaces are as important as the boards, mm-hmm. and the frame is what holds it together and makes it work. And it is both um, it is both a reservation, but it's also in a way an invitation. Mm-hmm. Right? It creates an inside and an outside, and it's and it and it. It might feel a little bit standoffish, but in a way, it's also a little bit neighborly. I mm. just really like thinking about conversation as having a kind of construction and a kind of elegance. And if we work at it together, we can all make it to, to better together. Well, and, it is. It does acknowledge that a conversation is a, is totally a conventional construction, like a fence. It has the fence doesn't doesn't somehow bring out any reality in the underlying landscape. It is something put there by human beings to kind of serve their neighborly purposes yeah. in the way that a conversation does too, you know, tries to sink our minds up in an interesting way. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, these, so these suggestions about, you know, not interrupting, I mean, I, I think they're all, um, uh, you know, there's a time and place for different styles of conversation. Um, a, a, a podcast like this one, where we each spoke at length, not interrupting the other, probably wouldn't work as well. I mean, we do tend to, um, uh, you rarely realize how often you interrupt me, but that's okay. That's okay. It actually (laughs) makes the podcast better. I I realize it more because you constantly remind me of it. Um, (laughs) But uh, but I think, like, one thing that's often true of the seminar, which isn't true of what we're doing at all, is, you know, so we're having a two-person conversation. We often have guests. Those are three-person conversations. Seminars are typically, you know, 10, 15, 20 people. Yes. Right? And And so the traffic management... Just to be able to hear somebody is much different. In a re- and that's what this is about, yes. suggestions for seminars. It's not that's suggestion right. for dyadic podcast it's, conversations. It's, context, it's context-dependent, right? This, Quite this context-dependent. And um, in, in, order, you know, in order to think about like, how conversations make us more excellent, you have to think about where those, con- where those conversations are happening and toward, and toward what end. And that's why you're in those situations where interrupting is uh, a near unalloyed bad you necessarily have to have this other um, prescription not to go on so long that interruption <laughs> is, is required, right? Right. But that, that, that presents a challenge it's, it, for, uh, for a new student, either at a college or, or at a law school, about like, I'm already nervous that what I'm going to say is like really stupid, and I'm already nervous that everybody knows more than I, uh, than I do, but I also want to get a good participation grade or something. And, you know, so they have all these reasons that you wish they wouldn't have for participation, and they are, you're trying to cultivate the good reasons, you know, because, you know, reasons or the whole thing and they're wondering like well what should i do like how do i know if i've gone on too long how yeah. do i know if i've you know it's hmm. and and i think a great way to um to begin to know the answer to a question like that is to be alert enough to ask yourself a question like that mm-hmm. i think if you like if you're in that frame of mind you're already so far down the road of engaging in it as a as a common 
a thing constructed together cooperatively toward that common end. But not to the point of paralysis. Like it's possible to that is true. constantly second guess yourself and your, your contribution. I, <clears throat> I, always, I tell my students uh, sometimes in some classes in order to get conversation going and to get them to venture things, you know, not, not to venture essays to the point where someone else would need to cut them off, but at least, you know, you got an idea, you think it's maybe you're worried everybody else knows more than you do and you're dumb and so you don't want to, you know, don't, don't think that. And I tell them the story of when I was in, I was in um, an undergrad taking a math class that um, where there are a lot of other people. Have I mentioned this to you before? No. There, there were pretty much the whole rest of the class, there was a language barrier. Um, you know, they were mainly Eastern European and, and, um, uh, and, and Asian. And, um, and so I would talk to them, but it wasn't, it wasn't a super, it wasn't super easy to know where everybody was. And mm. so the upshot was, I didn't know how well they knew the material. Yeah. And the class was like, it was a super interesting topic that was actually what I wanted to go into. Um, very abstract. And I found myself kind of lose. It was the first math class I'd ever had where I needed to make kind of an outline mm. of all the propositions and everything in order to kind of see how it fit together. Cause I was right. having real trouble with it. And I didn't stop and ask questions because I just assumed that these, cause most of my graduate students that they knew more than they all knew what was going on. And I think take the exam and like I do really well relative to the other people. And this is not a story of triumph. I say this is a story of failure because <laughs> it was like I failed to do what would have benefited everybody, which is to say I don't understand. Mm. Right. And right. Or, or to ask a question. But I just assumed that I was a dumb dumb. Yeah. And I didn't ask a question. So this is a story of failure, really. Yeah. You're going to um, love the next point. OK, let's hear it. Because it, it's, it addresses this quite directly. Um, and we are nearing the, the we're, we're coming around the bend here. Um, this one has some subpoints as well. In fact, this one might have Do the subpoints have subpoints? They don't. Oh, that's happily. a missed opportunity, Joe. Uh, maybe. Um, <clears throat> it would have been interesting to see if I could have like made this three-dimensional so that there would be connections, like the subpoints will connect back to other subpoints. I'm disappointed but, there weren't footnotes. Yeah. Um, and footnotes to footnotes, David Foster Wallace. There, is, there is a single footnote. Um uh, but that's so, the acknowledgement of your tutor, is that right? And the other thing that I consulted. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, uh, the main point, and, it, and it's going directly to the, the, the thing you were just relating, um, speak and think with both courage mm-hmm. and generosity. Both of those are super important. Yes. Um, so the, su- the subpoints. Work to hear and to state the best version of your seminar partner's statements. So oftentimes you'll find yourself conversationally connecting what you're saying to what someone else is saying. And I think a good 30% of the humor of the of our conversations is the fact that we're definitely disobeying this suggestion. <laughs> intentionally. Intentionally. <laughs> right, and right. it is hilarious, right? <laughs> right. But right. but like this is really the other, this like sincerely do yeah. try to do this. And it can be challenging in part because these will sometimes be things you f- profoundly disagree with. Right. And, it, and, and that might be the moment when it is the most important right. to try very hard. So this goes far beyond making a straw, not making a straw man. Like that's the, the first injunction that might fall under this is making a straw man of your, uh, of your classmates. But argument. honestly, that's a bare minimum. I, that's what I mean. That's, that's the, 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 lowest, the lowest bar. Right. But another way of saying this, I think, and, and the way that I've thought about it before, is um, you know, try, v- try very hard to speak in a way that, that expresses what you mean and try very hard to hear others, right? Not for what they say, but for what they mean, right? 
like hear what people mean and not what they say. Um, this is actually good for family life as well. <laughs> but but in a seminar, like and, and and you may be wrong. Like you may think it has a meaning that it doesn't, and you right. can try to state that, and you can be correct, sure. and you should accept that generously. And you know, and it, and that's another thing that you can ask about. Of course, you could you can say now. I I think what you said was this. I wonder if what you meant was that. Or maybe you could be a, that may be patronizing. What do you think? No, it uh, it's not patronizing if you're genuinely wondering that and you say it in a way that conveys you're genuinely wondering yeah. that. Uh, it could be a thing you're genu- genuinely confused about. If mm-hmm. you are, you could ask. Yeah. You could uh, say, you know, does that mean this, right? Does it mean that? Cause, yeah. Right, because yeah. it could also mean that. I mean, you know, so much of what lawyers do is, uh, interestingly, in relation to this uh, this. Uh, topic so much of what lawyers do is explore ambiguity mm-hmm. like ex- explore the fact that utterances can have multiple meanings so we have to be prepared to do that even with our own utterances and the utterances of the our conversational partners right um and, and by the way i have to say too with that um what i found in in practice um and also as a clerk is um that it is more effective even if your goal is to win, like, quote, unquote, win, to beat the other side, even if your goal is to shred your opponent's argument. Now, I have some complicated thoughts about this in the way that we could maybe be better uh, in how we kind of resolve controversies like this. But let's suppose that that is your absolute goal, is to win. I can think of very few situations where you would want to do something other than make of your opponent's argument the best that it can be and then tell the story of how that argument either fails or how or weave it into a story that the law is trying to tell that is that acknowledges that argument. Yes. That acknowledges the best version of it because judges are generally smart people. Right. And your judge, he or she, will see, you know, if, if you just pretend that that argument wasn't made or the best version of it wasn't made, it will appear in his or her mind, right? And yeah. so you need to deal with it. Um, anyway, right. that's, that's so if you want to make the, If you want to make the winning thing yeah. the easy thing, which I think ultimately is what you want to do, right? Right. You, you want to show that even the best version of the argument can't succeed. Right. So the best version of it can't succeed. Surely the worst versions of it can't succeed. And it's irrelevant often that your opponent made the worst version of the argument now if they forfeited an argument that's a different thing right because that's not making one that's forfeiting one if they didn't make the argument well then it doesn't behoove you to to uh pretend that a better version of that argument doesn't exist almost always yeah quite the contrary right show the better one that does exist because you've thought carefully respond to the best version and show that it can't work yeah okay what else you got um, help each other to clarify thoughts and assumptions by posing questions to one another directly. This is related to the don't run everything through the professor. Mm-hmm. Like talk to each other. Yes. Everyone in the seminar, talk to each other, please. <laughs> Won't you? Uh, work to make the complex more clear without rendering it overly simplistic. Mm. Helpful to do that. Be willing to change your views in light of what you learn from others. Be willing to doubt what you think you know hmm. and treat the ordinary as extraordinary. Ooh. Be willing to do that. Bring a little magic into the seminar. <laughs> uh, next to last point. Okay. Next to last main point. And the, and the last two main points have no subpoints. Okay. So this is the penultimate point. It is, in fact, the penultimate. 
point, we were just talking about the anti-penultimate point. Yes. Uh, but we're now on to the penultimate point. Okay. A warm laugh enjoyed in shared mirth that lifts us up is a thing of beauty in seminar as elsewhere. Hmm. Laughter is good. Unless it's at somebody. Right, but uh, then it violates, it violates in, other other things in the right, yeah, and right. laughter. That's a part of uh, you know a f- f- collegial feeling is 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 wonderful. Shared mirth that lifts us up, as I said. Last point: uh, one should disregard any of these suggestions if to follow it would point you to cruelty. Because mm. nothing, like nothing is more destructive of having a community built around a conversation mm-hmm. uh, that you're all in together. These, uh, nothing I, is more destructive yeah. of that than an act of What I love about these is, you know, of course they go together and you can kind of put them together in a Dworkinian kind of way to kind of understand what the best version of a particular behavior is in a particular context. But like, I, what I like is that they together express a kind of attitude that you should have when you go into seminar, which is an attitude of, of openness and a wanting to contribute to the to the collective project, right? Rather than, you know, you can imagine all kinds of other attitudes which are not so noble going into a seminar. Like, right. I want to impress a particular person, whether it's the teacher or somebody else. Um, I want to destroy somebody else that I don't like, or I want to destroy an idea that I don't like. Yeah. Uh, I want to feel better about myself because I have doubts about myself, and I will feel better if uh, if um, if others have uh, uh, high opinions of me and I want to generate high opinions mm. of me. And like, there are all kinds of, and like, but also don't beat yourself up if you find yourself having these thoughts. We have all kinds of dumb thoughts all the time and like recognize, hey, that's a, that's a, you know, I, why am I even thinking about impressing somebody? And you, you can't like not, you, you can't have this better version of yourself going into a seminar unless you recognize that those thoughts do indeed arise. And, and and you you recognize them. You say, you know what? I don't have to respond to that. You reject it, and you go on, and you and, and you return yourself to these points that you've made, right? You you remind yourself. That's why it's like that's why you've laid out these points. And how many points is it? Is it? Like, I, that's it's like I didn't count. Six, seven, eight, nine. Points. I mean, the person who the person who benefited the most from me uh, putting together these suggestions is me. Mm. Because I was about to embark on a seminar once again. I've taught them before. I'll teach them again. And so having heard what David said and having reflected on it and thinking, I would love to be able to share something like that with, with my seminar. And so I could go through the process of thinking, it, thinking about it, thinking about the order to put them in, thinking about how to say them, how to phrase them. Right. Um, uh, some of the phrases, uh, a good many in whole or part come directly from that one page thing David wrote, but I reordered them. I reworded some of them. Uh, some of the fence one is totally, uh, different because he, <laughs> this is the one substantive point. Our email exchange focused on, he's like, I don't know about that fence thing, but oh, it might be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this helps me a lot. Because it's a set of reminders. It's another version, I think, of a truism about becoming better at something, which is you never quite learn something like you do when you teach it to others. Yeah. Or when you have to get it together. To, like when I assemble, you know, I assemble all my own materials for all my classes. Yeah. And I find that it, it, you know, it's a ton of work, but like I never quite learn the subject like I do when I'm kind of going through and assembling materials and then trying to figure out the best way to convey the important topics and right. subjects to other people. Like, you know, this is 
a truism and lots of, you know, um, what is it like? See one, do one, teach one, mm. right? See it, do it, teach it. Like that's, you know, a that's how you learn. Yeah. So you know that is it's a it is it it is sort of an ethos. Um, it it is a a way to uh, think about uh, a seminar as um, uh, an event and also a practice and also a thing that contributes to you know um as you said like good conversations really are like they make your life better Mm -hmm. and so focusing on ways to try to get the odds up of really enjoying them and really getting the most from them so as you said you can walk into it with a kind of openness and you can also walk into it with with real hope for what you can uh, learn from and appreciate from other people because we really can do more together than we right. can do alone. Mm-hmm. Like that's why these things are so good when they're good is we get to places we absolutely can't get to by ourselves, I believe. Mm-hmm. So cool. Yeah. Don't go in with the clenched fist. <laughs> go in with the open heart. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It can feel like that. I know. I mean, I've, I can remember, I, you know, I, I'm a dumb dumb. I go, I've gone into classes before with a, like either a point I really wanted to make or the sense of like, oh, I, uh, uh, like a conviction about the reading or something like that. And as a student, maybe even as a professor sometimes, and like, it feels clenched in a way. It feels like going in with a clenched fist, even if you don't have an aggressive like right. mindset about it. And yeah. and to go in with openness is a real state of being mm. that can, um, right. You know, can, it, it, and you should remind yourself, hey, it would be better if I were open about this. And not every text can, not every text bears the weight mm-hmm. of these conversations as well as, mm-hmm. as every other text does. Right. Um, that's a fair point. Be open to changing your mind about Plessy v. Ferguson, says Joe Miller. <laughs> Actually, uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, there are parts of it we probably should be open to change our mind about, or we should probably be open. Here's the thing we should definitely be open to yeah. thinking about, um, that we already know all there is to know about Plessy v. Ferguson. Oh, yeah. I mean, at the very least, the the you that is now, because, of course, this now you is a different you from before you. Oh, absolutely. I'm looking at, the, again, future you. I'm looking at these waveforms there, right. you know. So, so they're evolving. You know, do you really know all you could know about this? Probably not. Especially Harlan's descent. As a great, what a beautiful and complicated part and of that. Right and wrong, and it's weird. Yeah, it's just a, it's a treasure trove. So, so life lessons with Joe. <laughs> <laughs> this is our first episode. No, you know it's funny. At some point, I suppose if, um, you know. Uh, as occurs in Kung Fu Panda. Oh boy. Uh, Uwe, <laughs> the turtle, turns into this m- m- sort of points of light and floats up into the heavens. And, Ooh. Um, you know, at some point that will happen to me. And because I will have, I will have achieved s- such um, uh, growth and benefit from mm. these conversations that I will just turn into star stuff. A rainbow body. Uh, Turn into slightly different star stuff. I already am star stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just drift up into the heavens. And then you'll have to just let everyone know.
because you're Shifu I, in this story, and I'm Ugwe. Is and, that, I'm, I'm what? What did, what did you say? Hmm? Uh, who am I? You're Shifu. I don't know what that is. You need to watch Kung Fu Panda Do because it is an amazingly great movie. I, I just don't know if I'm going to have time, Joe. Because you start as Poe, but then you kind of you f- try to find your inner Ugwe. I think it's pronounced Pa. <laughs> Oh, it's Poe. I'm pretty sure. I'm de- I started Poe, and I'm I'm sort of remaining Poe. But I think you you you're trying to find your inner Ugwe. <laughs> that would be a great show title, but I don't know how to spell it, and I, I got to push this thing out right away. <laughs> oh, uh, but this is, I, I I I I maybe I will. Hopefully, maybe I will add that. Add your um. Add this little, short little one pager to the show notes because yeah, it, it's whatever. great. You've done a great job. I here. mean, we talked about the points though. I read them, so it's like a person hardly. Yeah, you hardly... Wait, this is the kind of thing you print out, you put on your refrigerator with a little magnet, and mm. you look at it each day, and you make a daily affirmation about it. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else that we need to talk about, Joe, before we turn the listeners loose for there yet? Are, uh, you know, until we, until next week. There are undoubtedly many such things. <laughs> So we, we will yet again fail to serve our listeners in many important ways because no one can serve people in every way they need to be served. True. Okay. So let's, on that note of failure, shall we sign off? Indeed. But um, in all seriousness, I think this was great. I, 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 I commend this to, uh, to all listeners and th- they should share it widely. Thank you. I think David's uh, one pager was great too and that's why it was so inspiring to me to 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 take that opportunity to try to do something similar uh, for my context. And and people could do you could you could reflect on something like this and write this kind of thing for all kinds of conversations, which would be great. Okay. Listeners, you've got your mandate. Share it with us. Okay. Bye, Joe. Bye.